Hello, Leute. Servus. Welcome to episode 12. I know I keep messing that up every week of the Mia San Roque podcast. We're going to call this one The French Connection. Uh, discussing today a Hanover victory and a victory against PSG, plus a few other little things that happen to be on our minds at present. Uh, with me today is always the ever lovely Maurice House. Um, Maurice, how you doing today? I'm good, thanks. Awesome. Happy about the win yesterday? Of course. Great yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Hard to be hard to be upset about that. And uh, joining us today is a dear Twitter friend of mine, uh, Fletcher. Fletcher, how are you today? Uh, it's cold over here, so that's really how I'm feeling. So uh, uh, Fletcher's from the Detroit area, uh, which is, uh, I don't know, I'm sweating. I just went on a bike ride. It's about... Uh, Oh, cool. Thanks. Thank you. It's yeah. about 85 degrees outside here, which is, what is that, like 24, 26? It briefly snowed yesterday, so thank you. For <laughs> well, we had snow over here for the past few weeks, so we feel you over there in Detroit. <laughs> so you guys can both be jealous of me, but um, before we delve into everything, uh, Fletcher is now writing for uh, writing NPSL for midfieldpress.com, and he was one half of the now defunct but sorely missed the Outer Drive podcast, uh, which I was happy to be a guest on. Um, what are you up to these days, Fletcher? Um, really writing for the NPSL. That's really it. Well, I write for Midfield Press. I cover a lot of low league soccer um, in the U.S. Uh, yeah, and getting gearing up for the World Cup and getting ready to cover different aspects, writing previews, all that good stuff. Um, you know, just low level soccer where people don't really get paid that much if at all because <laughs> you know i mean that's that's you know it's a I labor of love right i don't want to say salt of the earth because i feel like that's like polite but also offensive but like you know i mean these are people that literally if it weren't for like you know my knee being banged up i might be playing against but you know since you know instead i'm doing a real person job and they're chasing the dream of one day playing in a league that isn't very good. So, you know, like tomato, tomato. <laughs> and you're very involved, like playing wise in, uh, in and around the Detroit area. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, we have not to go off topic. We have a league in Detroit, the Detroit city football league. It's home to 32 to 34 different teams, each representing a neighborhood in the city of Detroit. Um, it's very, very think like champions league, but like, more beer and like less referee <laughs> interference. Um, so like it's very, very, very heavy. We have a summer, fall, and winter league, and we're getting to spring league, so we're gonna be playing all four seasons. So it's a lot of it's it's when you play for a team, people begin to know you, and people begin to know me as that guy who will run up top with the ball and then just. He'll whiff on, like, sitters, but from, like, 30 yards out, he'll somehow hit a volley that goes in top net. So, like, I've become that person where that's me. Plus, I have all this hair, so they see that, and they're like, (laughs) that guy. So. (laughs) Right on. Um, So, uh, Maurice, what are you up to? 
Oh, not much, not much. <laughs> no? <laughs> no? No impressive stories about watching uh, low league soccer for, from me. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to, to give everybody a feel for who Fletcher was. I love I love him to pieces. Um, before the we- best. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus, don't get don't get too far ahead of yourself. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's uh, let's start to delve in. Um, after the slow slide into the trash part of Bayern Munich last week with Toby, poor Toby. I think he prefers to talk about the losses more than the wins, though. Yeah, I think I think so as well. <laughs> yeah. We were both kind of like, hey, we get to talk about losing. Um, it's a pleasure to bring you a couple of victories this week. The first against Hanover, saw Bayern get back on track. And then the second against PSG, closed out the group stages with an emphatic win for glory against Paris Saint-Germain. Um, before we get into both of those, uh, just kind of an open-ended question. Uh Fletcher, who would you like to see Bayern draw in the round of 16, and why? Um, for them, honestly, one of the English sides. Do you have a preference? Liverpool, City, or United? Uh, probably Liverpool, just because I don't like Liverpool. But I, I think that their style matches up better. Um... Just because Liverpool, the way the way Jurgen Klopp has Liverpool running now, it's more of just attack, attack, attack. And seeing as I tend to watch a bit more English than I do anything else, just because I have like a small sliver of affinity towards Chelsea, like very, very small. Um, their back line leaves a lot to be desired. Um, Manchester City is like flying super high, probably going to win the league. Manchester United. Is really is up there just as just as well. Um, their team's really solid. Uh, Liverpool is a team that, out of all the teams, has the has the most most defensive deficiencies. Uh, so yeah, I would say Liverpool just because I feel like if that were to match up, people people in England would be like, all right, we're gonna have a chance to come in here do something great we're gonna have a chance to you know shock the world and then they're gonna go out on like a 20 to 2 aggregate so like you know i <laughs> i feel like that would probably work better um i mean you wise you you can't you can't blame Bayern fans for like wanting to face Klopp again that's for sure uh marisa who do you think or who would you like <clears throat> Um, of course, um, if if you're looking for for an easy draw, then probably like uh, Rome or Besiktas would be preferred. But um, yeah, I, I would like Liverpool as well. I think that would that would make a fun matchup to watch. Uh, so so I'm down for Liverpool as well. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you guys uh, saw my Twitter. Uh, there was a bit of consternation about it afterwards. But um, I say Manchester City. Oh no! Nah, no, no, no! I, I want, I want to avoid them. As yeah, long as we least, can. Uh, at least they're, they're until really they're good. like, at least until their league form starts to dip, I would just try to stay away from that team because uh, <laughs> my... they're 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 going at a high rate right now, like a very high rate of right. play. I would not yeah, want. Yeah, but to... they gotta play through the winter break and we get a break. Okay, so uh, here's my reasoning, mm. and and the and the. Thiago should be back by then. And actually kind of predicates Thiago being back 
for for this to for me to want this to happen. Um, it seems like every season that Bayern get into uh, April or late March, early April, um, everybody starts getting hurt again. So to me, like in my mind's eye, and this has happened for the last few seasons, um, in, in my mind's eye, I would prefer to have a full squad and nobody injured with the exception of it, it would take Neuer out, but we'll talk about Ulreich later, um, to have everybody fit and capable of playing that side. You guys are both still like, no, you're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, if you ask me who I want to have, then I, I don't want to. Have, I don't want to face Manchester City. <laughs> Not at all. Also, like, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm really excited to see like a Yook versus Pep lineup as well. Maybe maybe as we continue into the season, uh, should it be you know the later? Of course, you know that'd be an awesome final. That'd be a shit ton of fun, but. For a chance to win, yeah, I'm going to take a round of 16. The hell with it. You got to beat the best to be the best, right? <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> so so my my thought process on it is, yes, if you match up against Man City and you beat them, it's like we can beat anyone in this. Like we, that's already kind of the mindset, but it's more like everyone now knows, oh my God, they beat this team that's like... Currently on a currently on a uh, think ten eleven game streak of winning in their league. Oh my god! Like exactly, they're gonna win. This, they're gonna win. <laughs> but the problem with that is, what if you don't win? <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Then I you're mean, going home early when it's like we could have. And who knows? Like maybe you play them in the next round, and like uh, Gabriel Jesus. Uh, picks up two yellows and he's he's out or you know Aguero's hurt for like the 90th time or like you know their midfield just implodes again so like yeah maybe play them a bit later and like there's some turmoil uh if you take them now when everyone's like fine-tuned it's a bigger chance that they're probably gonna try to turn your middle of your field and do like a uh highway and you just don't want that yeah for sure i mean and i am saying this of course i have the greatest respect for pep guardiola and uh tons of respect for what he's done in city i mean this is not to say that i would think that this would be um easy by any stretch of the imagination and it might not even be fun but i mean on paper it sure sounds like it Y'all still think I'm crazy. Anyway, so... <laughs> I mean, I, I get the rationale behind it. I really do. It's just, I... If I have a chance to play against a tomato can and, like, someone and, like, a real decent team, I would take the tomato can first before I take the decent team because... Fair that's enough. That's just me. Yep. So... Fair enough. Okay, uh, enough with that nonsense. We'll get into some more nonsense later and you guys can call me crazy again. Um... <laughs> let's talk about, let's talk about Hanover first. It was a 3-1 victory at the Allianz Arena. Uh, goal scored in the 17th minute. It was, it was Arturo Vidal uh, with a an assist from Thomas Müller. Uh, Hanover dragged one back in the 35th minute from Ben Schapp with a an assist from Strolzek. Is that right? God, I can't pronounce anybody's names. Why do I even do this? <laughs> 
<laughs> in the 67. You're, you're trying to say Astrolog? <laughs> yeah. Is that what you're, what yes. you're trying? Astro- yes, <laughs> okay. that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> oh, goodness. I, you know, when I practice and then it comes down to it and I can't ever do it. So well, is- but uh, Astrolog obviously is one of the harder names there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a Z in there for no reason. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, uh, 67th minute, uh, Kingsley Coman got on the board with another, uh, the second assist from Thomas Muller on the day. And then in the 87th minute, uh, Robert Lewandowski scored a penalty um, that Coman earned for the side. Um, Overall feel of the match, it listed as a 4-2-3-1, but really uh, Byron of late has been operating as a 4-1-4-1, Maurice. Mm, yeah, yeah. More or less because, like, every time you have Vidal on the pitch, you don't really have like a strong tactical formation because he will like run all over the pitch and try uh, trying to ruin your formation. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> let's just say we had four in the back, and then we had Martinez as a as a defensive midfielder, James as an offensive midfielder, and we had three up front, and then Vidal was also in there. <laughs> yeah, wherever, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fletch, did you get a chance to look at it? Do you see anything? I I did. Um, honest opinion might not be a favorite opinion, but it's just me talking as a forward. Mm-hmm. I think Baron is lucky to have ten on the to have eleven on the field. Because uh, a goal that comes out of me like that for that penalty that uh, that they had. Right. I'm probably gonna be looking for a red. Like I'm, I'm gonna stay down as long as possible. Um, you might think yeah. that like I've been sniped, and my, <laughs> I think he was lucky to like get away with you know not seeing red because he made he made a play for the ball, made zero contact on the ball. Um, which uh, when I saw, I was like, oh yeah, no, that's. That's not gonna end well. And they're like, okay, you know, stay in, take the PK. I was kind of, kind of stunned, but uh, I don't, I don't know. Um, but aside from that, uh, one other point before I get to the whole general. You ever, you ever watch a guy? Just uh, any sport. Well, I guess we'll we'll use basketball. You ever watch a guy just like take a shot from like. 80 yard, 80 feet out and you're like that's not and it goes in all net and he looks like he meant to do it yeah that's my opinion on Mueller's assist <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah what he was doing I think he put it up there and said I hope someone's on the other end of this right I hope maybe he goes into the corner and luckily no one marks Vidal I think half half due to like tactics half due to like being terrified of him because honestly he's a really scary guy um so like <laughs> you know i i it was funny to see because you know i have this thing with muller where whether there's might be sometimes i like a player sometimes i don't like a player with him it varies from like i like to like eh but he, if you see ever see a ball go off screen when you're watching munich or even watching the german national team 
it's like I bet you ninety five percent of the time he's going Mueller's going to be there on the ball. Like you don't it could the ball could be rolling like down the tunnel to like a bathroom. He's gonna step out of the bathroom and pick up the ball. Like he just <laughs> has perfect perfect internal clock of like knowing where to be. So when I saw him like turn, I'm like, he's gonna get this ball somehow into the box, somehow where it's supposed to be. I don't know how, but he's gonna do it. And when I saw him fall and the ball go up, I was like, either that's going out of bounds or that's a goal. And you know, <laughs> Mullet, I in, mean, got it in, and, but I mean, it seemed, seemed over, it seemed, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It seemed like while they, while Barry was in control, Hanover still made it a game. Like it wasn't a total, total running over, but it was still decisive enough to where it's like well Hanover can come back but they won't come back yeah absolutely I think I think um, one first your point on Mula I think that every Bayern fan would agree we don't actually know what he does most of the time that he does things right Maurice would you would you agree with that totally miracle sometimes yeah yeah you just kind of go well uh, okay um uh and and to your point about uh, Hanover, I think that you're absolutely correct. And I think um, Bayern enjoyed the fact that Hanover was willing to run at them. There there are not a lot of teams in the Bundesliga that do do that. So you tend to see um, a more exciting match than normally where you would have, you know, nine guys from the opposition behind the ball crowding the box and Bayern trying to pick a lock to find their way in. It, it's it's nice to see teams run at Bayern, uh, whether they're successful or not, or, or whether things happen or not for them. Um, it's a pleasure to watch that sort of that competition rather than rather than a bus. Um, I mean, it makes it makes the game fun. Yeah. Like as a fan, it makes it fun to watch. Like, yeah, I mean, I like, I like, I like watching. I like watching a really technical offense pick pick a lock. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, uh, you know, it, it, in some aspect, I think it takes away from from what the sport is supposed to be. I mean, obviously, the objective is to win. Um, but it's so totally. much. But it's so much fun when it's when it's more open um, than what Bayern generally sees in the league. Well, it's well, it's way more fun if if both teams actually play to win. And I think what you've seen very often, especially on, uh, in Guardiola times at Bayern, is that teams come to Allianz Arena and they don't even try to win. I mean, they they go into this game and they think, well, if we don't lose by five goals, then that's a part victory. That's a good day. Us, so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean. So. Not to take it like off of like to see you just use a personal experience of myself. It was part of the reason why when uh, Mourinho managed Chelsea teams, it's why I like had a hard time liking the team because it get up two goals and it's like all right halftime we're parking the bus the entire half and it's like as a team that's winning you're not supposed to put ten people behind the ball at the fifty forty fifth minute like that's not. I yeah. get why you do that tactically. I understand, but like as a fan, that's really not fun to watch. And like when people jeer at you for saying your stuff is like unimaginative, they're not wrong. So like to see teams actually to see these team to see them gun at each other, even though the stats show like Munich had way more shots. Like I totally, of course, but like to see the fact that Hanover almost had ten, almost had ten shots, half their shots on goal. 
like they at least try to take it to them, take it back to them, even if they knew that that meant we turn the ball over, they're coming right back down our throats. I can appreciate. I can appreciate that. It's like watching a heavyweight boxing match and you see these guys just start throwing haymakers in the first round. <laughs> right. I'm like, good. Probably going to be a lot of like head injuries, but like whatever, like good. Like I'm glad you guys are trying to win instead of trying not to lose because trying not to lose is only going to make you lose even worse. All right. I think I think that's what heavyweight boxing looked like the past few years, right? <laughs> not not a lot of attacking there when like with Klitschko and all those guys more like hugging in the ring. Yeah, right, it's, right. it's like it's like we're going to win, we're going to win a few rounds and then I'm just going to stay away from you so we both don't get points. <laughs> then I win. It's like I can appreciate someone saying, you know, you know what? Well, I'm probably going to lose anyways, but I'm going to go out there. I'm going to give it a shot because if Hanover came in here and they're like, we're just going to park, the, we're just going to do our best. We're down one nothing. We'll just make it one nothing. It would have been like seven or eight nothing, almost definitely. And while they still did lose, they pulled one back and they had a chance to pull another one back. So like it's it's who knows if they'd gotten a second goal, like that might have changed the entire script of the game. It might have made it created a chance for them to score a third. Who knows? But the fact that they still tried tried to get forward, tried to score is, I, I appreciate that. And like, if I'm looking at a manager at the end of the year and I'm having to, whether I'm going to choose whether to keep him or whether to fire him, if I can look and see, you know what, maybe you did lose 20 matches, but in 18 of them, you were actively trying to do this. I'm going to keep you this year. But if it happens next year, I got to like, get rid of you. But if it's something where it's like, I see you're trying to least, to least score, to at least get out of this hole, Great, but if you're content and just going into the fetal position and getting kicked on, I don't, you know, like I, I don't know. And I will say this: before, before when I did not watch much German football at all, like hardly at all, that was my like preconceived conception of it. Was I'm like, Bayern's gonna come here, they're gonna run over everyone. People are gonna do like they do in La Liga. They're just gonna watch him and like curl up in a ball and say, "Please don't hit me anymore." And, like, watching it the past two to three years now, I'm like, you know what? That's totally – I was totally wrong. Some of these teams actually want to go at these better teams because they, you know, want to be one of the better teams. They want to get better. They want to show their fans. And the fans really, really get behind their teams. That's something I can really, really appreciate a lot because, of course, you're out here playing for yourself. You're also playing for the fans. You're playing for the organization. You're playing for everybody. So, like, to see these people say, I actually want to try, I actually want to take on these better players because it'll make me better, um, it'll help my team give a chance to win, and, heck, they might pay me more money as a result. <laughs> like, it's it's very good in my eyes to see that. So I, again, while Hanover did lose, um, they kept it to where you thought there's a chance they might come back, even though we all knew they probably would not. Right. So, Maurice, how do you feel about... Um, the refereeing portion of the program. <laughs> well, um, we we had that we had that stretch of like four minutes when the score changed like three times. Uh, so that was, so that it was, was quite something. It was. I, I was. I was. Yeah. So it was. Go ahead. Right. Okay. So it was one nil to Bayern. Yeah. Then then, then Lewandowski hits one. <laughs> past Chowner and it's 2-0 but then they say it was offside the VR actually says it's offside so it's back to one nothing. <laughs> then uh, it's that penalty that uh, Fletch already mentioned and Fulkrug actually scores it and <laughs> then it, it, the, the 
it, it became obvious the moment you watched it, like even on, on live television, that it, there was like everybody um, encroaching. It, it, yeah, yeah, in in, in the box. Um, I mean, probably even even like um, the the coach from Hanover went into the box. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so so they had to repeat it, and then of course Ulrich makes that makes that save the second time, and it's back to one nil. And then you get that uh, that corner kick, and it's. Back to one one, one, one. so <laughs> quite a portion of the game there. <laughs> that that's some crazy stuff, and and I mean to be fair, um, both calls were correct. The encroaching, yeah, sure, was sure. correct. Got to, got to make that call. I mean, I mean that 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 offside from Lewandowski. I mean, that was like his. Pinky, that was like that like was the, his pinky toe offside. Yeah, yeah. But at the most, at uh, the most, but but, uh, but also correct through VAR. Yeah, sure. I if, mean, if you, you know, got the technology, then okay, so that, that he was offside, so it's not not a correct goal. So yeah. I can live with that. And then on the other side, um, yeah, you, you got to make the call. Even though, of course, also a lot of Bayern players in the box, but I think it was like five from Bayern, five <laughs> from Hanover, so ten total. Yeah, you got to repeat that one, or otherwise you, uh, yeah, you're really cute your own uh, your own rule set right I really feel like for encroachment they shouldn't let you have a retake they should just make it a goal kick but I feel like whoever encroached should be slapped by like penalty kick taker <laughs> like that's just a rule so especially like, if they make the goal it, especially a, if they make the goal it's like as a result it went in like come here you gotta get slapped like that's just <laughs> like we'll move on after i slap you and then you'll see wasting time wasting tactics like oh i encroached but now i'm gonna run away so you don't get to slap me sort of thing but like i, I don't know like i feel like you getting to take it again is almost like saying okay well, you went right last time. You're probably going to go right again. I'm just going to shade myself a bit right and, you know, make a save. Because usually, usually that is what happens unless it's someone who's, like, really adept at hiding what they do. And most most of the average peak penalty kick takers Don't. tend to only have, like, one or two moves. And yeah. it's usually going the same exact way they went. Yeah. So I don't. I feel like retakes are, are, are weird. They're very weird things that... I don't know. Unless the goalie comes off the line, I feel like you probably just should say, all right, goal kick. That's a goal kick, you know. And to be fair, yeah. it, it wasn't struck very well either. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. But I mean, the I mean, retake, was, the retake was, like, was not was not struck well. I mean, it was struck if you're if you're going for half the goal towards the right where it went. It was only like halfway between that and 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 the post. So it's not like it was a the redo was very well struck. And of course, there's psychological reasons behind that. And if I were the if I were the taker, I would be effing pissed as hell at everyone. And it's like I, I'd probably I probably completely shank it or like go over the ball, you know, so <laughs> I would just be petty. I'd make someone else come take it and then I'd prop- promptly encroach like, oh, see, it sucks. It? <laughs> Dude, that would be that would be epic. P.S. It doesn't feel very good to have someone encroach upon you. Now it does it. Then I'd go back and take it again. Like now it's again. like you understand how it feels. Thank you. <laughs> So so uh, let's let's have a chat about Byron's midfield in that match. It was a domination um, uh, for James Rodriguez and Javi Martinez picking up five interceptions apiece, and Vidal pushing forward or whatever the hell Vidal does. Um, 
barring Thiago and his injury, is this the best midfield to put forward, Maurice, or or are we going situational match by match? And maybe, maybe, just maybe, the best better question is: Should we be keeping Vidal and Tolisso separate? Because um, on my end, signs seem to point to yes. Yeah, um, I think I also th- think everything points to keeping them separate. I think Thomas um, has shown in those past few games now that he can be very important to that to the Bayern midfield. So I would keep him on. Martinez, same goes for him. So basically, we only have one more spot. Um, to give away and it's Vidal and Rudy and Tolisso for that one spot and of course uh, still a prisoner of the moment uh, from yesterday I think uh, Tolisso probably comes out on top out of those three Um, of course you also have the option to put Müller back to central midfield but um, I think you can only put him there if you take out Hamas You, you cannot put him there and take out Vidal that would be way too much offense for um, everything we've seen so far from Heinkes, who likes to keep it a little bit more, um, yeah, a little bit more defensive in uh, in the midfield, and that that would be too much offense, I think, for for Heinkes. So yeah, I think uh, James Martinez and then um, Tolisso for the bigger matches um, until Thiago gets fit again. Um, Fletcher, your opinion on. Arturo Vidal. I don't know how many of these you've listened to for me or, you know, mine or our personal opinions on on Vidal. But uh, uh, how do you feel about his play? And uh, just from from an outside, a somewhat outsider standpoint. And and so I tried to compare him to a player a few weeks back. And a friend of mine chastised me because the player I compared him to at least has like a rigid while they play the same, the player has at least a rigid like stance. I try to compare him to Raja Nangolan of Roma, mm-hmm. um, where he gets he gets forward, forward towards the field, but like he remembers to like come back and stay in the middle for the most part. And if he needs to get back, he can get back. And if he gets beat, he can usually make a tackle to play. Um, Vidal is like that, except Vidal sometimes forgets forgets to go places he's supposed to go and if he gets beat he's seems to be like you know what you beat me now I gotta break your ankle <laughs> so like I I really I used I used to love him as a as like to watch him as a player because he's an intense player and I really appreciate the intense players because it's like hey you can tell they're trying if they're not intense for a game you can tell like they've just turned it off and they probably shouldn't be on the field but it just got it got hard to defend him some of what he did because there'd be moments where it's like he's the best player on the field for like the first 30 minutes. Then the next 15 minutes, you're like, what happened? Did he get subbed off? No, he's just there doing nothing. And then all of a sudden, it's like a big yellow card because he happened to like scissor slide at someone from the side for no reason. Right. So it's it's frustrating because you want to champion him as like, all right, he deserves to be playing more. He deserves like – like you guys are mentioning – rotations for midfield he deserves the category of like yeah Vidal's definitely in there like who's this other spot going to but you give him the opportunity to do it in a big game and like he picks up a stupid yellow and then another yellow later on and he gets sent off and now you're hurt so like it's frustrating is the word I would use again as I've used it multiple it's frustrating because I I want him to, to succeed but 
thirty percent of the time we give him a chance to succeed, he like massively, massively fails, and you can't like do that at the highest stages. Because if you, if you're easy, if you're content to be sent off in like a last friendly or first game of the season, like easily content to be sent off, or to pick up a stupid yellow in like this quarterfinal of the Champions League, like I don't want you on there for a final because you're probably going to pick up a stupid yellow in the final just because you're being you. Uh, so that that's really my opinion on him. I, I, I want to say he needs more consistency, but he's kind of too old to say that about a player. Um, if it's like someone, you know, Tolisso's age or someone uh, Coman's age, okay, consistency is fine because you're youthful. You can grow into that. Arturo is too old to be telling him to be consistent. At that point, you're just inconsistent. And if that's the case and you're that big of a liability, maybe you should be playing somewhere where that's not really a problem. Right. I I want to say that that um, that we do feel, or a lot of us that watch Byron all the time, while we do love Vidal, I think both of us share, or Maurice and I definitely share the same opinions. And... Uh, going forward uh, we'll just have to see what Yup can get out of him so yeah Marisa Fletcher brings up some good really good points and I think that um, a lot of people in the Bayern fandom uh, definitely agree on the play of Arturo Vidal um, how are you feeling how are you feeling about um, uh, what he brings to the table well, um, of course, I basically agree to, to everything that, that was already mentioned. Um, but you still have to, to reckon that Vidal has um, yeah, his right to, to, to be in this, in this squad. Um, also because of the stuff he did under, under Guardiola in that last season. Um, of course, when Byron played under Guardiola... You had a lot more um, tactical structures in the game, but Vidal was always that kind of free roamer who who knew um, how to find spaces that that would help the team as well. And I think especially him um, hitting the opponents. Box is really terrifying for opponents because he he has a he has a very good header and he also has a pretty solid um, shot and so offensively I think he well you you cannot um, look past him in uh, in some situations but of course um, everything else um, maybe <laughs> goes a little bit uh, wrong when he's in because he obviously um, always tries to. Well, do some kind of his own stuff, and if that goes wrong, it either leads to a bad pass by him, or it leads to, well, maybe a ill-advised tackle that leads to an early yellow card. So he's always up for that as well. Flash? Yeah. So, like you mentioned earlier, you're like, hey, they have too much. They, we don't want too much offense. And I know Martinez is typically billed as, as a center defensive mid. Sometimes he plays some center back. But if you have a box-to-box midfielder, like that's the role that Vidal fits is a box-to-box midfielder, is you have to remember to come back. And when you're – trying to put a nice, nice way to put this. <laughs> when your center defensive mid is a great player, but he's also slower than like molasses, like frozen in the winter – 
Like, you need to come back and help him. You need to come back and help him as much as you can. And Javi Martinez is, like, a great ball stopper. But if it's a race between him and, like, a bus with no wheels, I'm taking the bus easily. (laughs) So he he, he stretches them out enough. Even with the flexible defensive line they have, it becomes a problem. And there are plenty of times when I watch their back five and, like, the dollars are sprinting back after the ball that's a good meter ahead of him. So, like, that cannot happen if you're a box-to-box midfielder. And I feel like there are, feel like there are times where it's like, oh, look at this amazing last-ditch save that he's making, this last-ditch slide. And I feel like he has that kind of playing in his head when he lunges at people from far, far away that he shouldn't lunge at, which result in yellow cards. Because sometimes it works. Sometimes it really works, and it's like, look at this picture. Snapshot. Let's put this on whatever. It's an amazing picture. And when it doesn't work, you're banned for three games for a reckless red card. So, like, I, I feel like unless he can tone that down enough, which, again, age... At some point, you're just kind of who you are. I don't. I don't know. And I, again, like he said, he deserves. He deserves to be mentioned in this lineup because of all the stuff he's done in the past. But also, if you're not, if you're not going to be able to reel that in and at least get your awareness up to where people don't think you're being controlled by a video game controller or something that's just been put down, <laughs> I feel like. I feel like you probably should play in the cup games. Like, that's really it. Like, the, the lower cup games until we get to, like, okay, now it's the quarterfinal, the semifinal. Now you got to come off the bench again. Like, that's where your role is for right now. It's got to come off the bench again because we cannot trust you to play a majority of the game and not put us in a hole. <laughs> um, and, you know, I mean, it's either that or, you know – you get loaned out, and I don't really feel like I feel like if you tell Vidal he's going to be loaned out, he might drop kick you. So like, no, I mean, I, in in his case, it would be a sale or nothing. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think and, I and think it, I think, and I hope that that is something that they will look into for for the summer. Yeah, um, uh, maybe some team in Italy thinking back of his times at, at Turin and say, well, I want to have that that kind of warrior in my lineup and. <laughs> Maybe they decide to pay a lot of money, and then that would be a good way to get get rid of him. <laughs> it's it, it's really up to him, and if he wants to have a little bit of discipline under Yapankis for the for the Rukunda for the second half of the season. Again. Hello. Still here. Yeah, me too. Okay. All right. <laughs> Hold, please. All right, I have to write down times. Um, I'm going to start again with what I just said, and then we're going to do a couple of quick things and then move on to PSG. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really up to – it's up to him and whether he wants to suffer under the – Discipline that Yupankis brings over what he was able to do under Ancelotti, and well, to a fair respect under under Pep Guardiola as well. Whether he will um, be a huge part of Bayern Munich in the Rückrunde, um, and if he leaves in the summer. Uh, but let's get out of the wrecking ball stance for a little bit and and talk about some guys that that did some really good things. Um, how good has Kingsley Coman gotten all of a sudden? 
gotten all of a sudden under you, Maurice. Yeah, he's been he's been great. I mean, um, that is something that we've addressed earlier as well. Um, that without Ribery, um, he has this time to to shine, and I think he's taken advantage of it um, to the fullest. Uh, he sh- he just looks way more confident than than he did when he he was coming in as a backup. Um, he will he doesn't look as hectic anymore in front of the goal. He's like more composed and. He, his decision making is getting a lot of lot better, and I think that is just coming with with a playing time. And, and as it has always been, if, if it's a one one versus one, uh, and you you are Kingsley Coleman, you know you can beat the defender ninety nine times out of hundred. So um, we're gonna talk yeah, about. He's just been he's just been re- really good, and it's good to also see that um, now appearing on the stat sheet as well. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about his speed. Um, a little bit against PSG and a certain guy named uh, Danny Alves. <laughs> owned, so owned. It was so awesome. Um, but yeah, uh, Fletch, have you have you been paying attention? He's been he's been. Uh, Coman uh, kind of took a backseat under Ancelotti and and Ribery's, uh, Ribery's injury obviously played into him uh, getting weekly uh, weekly uh, starts on the pitch or bi-weekly or whatever. Um, but he has, he always had the speed and, and you know, he was instantly able to run at guys all the time. Um but his decision making is definitely getting a lot better under your pinkets. So I have a small resentment for Coman. Uh, and it has nothing to do with nothing to do with the sport at all. I It's his hair, I, isn't it? <laughs> no, I lost money because of him. Um, <laughs> okay. So when he was when he was at Juventus and they loaned him out, a friend of mine, uh a friend of mine is a big Juventus fan, huge Juventus fan. Like, for a while I thought, I met him through Twitter, for a while I thought he lived in Turin and, like, come to find out he lives in Chicago. And I was, like, totally blown away because every time he posts a picture, it's, like, of him, like, going to stuff which I thought, you know, was on the way to a game. And it actually it's, like, it's not. So I was kind of, you know, confused. But he's, like, man, they missed out on the player. And I'm, like, I don't know. Like, they might not have. And he's, like, I bet 10. And then, you know, two years later, I was like, man, he's like, yeah, I need the $10 now. So, like, I felt really stupid, but he's he's become a dynamic player. He's become a player who, who at first, when I saw him on the wing, I was like, he's playing with the ball too much. He's trying his best to emulate other people, and... I don't think that's what he needs to be doing. And he's shown he's grown into he's grown into a player who, if I see him on the wing with a defender or even two defenders, depending on how they're positioned, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a that's an in ball winning to happen. Like he's going to go by them, he's going to find someone who's open, he's going to sweep the ball into the net, sweep the ball into someone's feet who can just tap it right in. And like kind of like he did, we're going to talk later, but kind of like he did with Toliso against PSG, where he beat the defender and found a sprinting person and hit him dead on the feet. And that was like a perfect play for someone to make. And it's – it's he – yeah, man, I really needed that $10. So like <laughs> – 
<laughs> but like, I really wish I had not done that because that was that was lunch for the day. So like, you know, it's really killing me. Every time I see him, I think of like soup, and it just makes me so upset. But he he's he's really become a really dynamic player, and it's really fun to watch him. Um, I mean, yeah, and uh, I mean, heck, he's even getting playing time for the Nash for his national team. I know France's national team is like packed full of people who can play on the wing. So if you're playing with them, uh, it means that your parent club you're with now is like really helping you develop as a player. And I think it's partially his talent, partially him being allowed to actually get out there and like really excel and run at people, which I think is the best way to like to let people learn how to play. So, so, so um, Christopher, uh, one of our writers on Mia San Rot, um, uh, wrote in uh, summing up the PSG match, uh, had a lot to say about Kingsley Coman, um, to paraphrase, uh, that uh, he's definitely the heir apparent to Frank Ribery, or at least as a wing player for Bayern, and made the point, and I think it's, it's kind of a salient point, that He's further along in his development at his age than at Ribery was when he was 21, 22. Yeah, I sure. That. And, I, and I don't think Ribery at any time of his career had that had that speed that Colin possesses. Definitely not the speed, but as far as like the take on abilities and, and the choices that he's yeah, making. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Also, I, I, I got to correct you a little bit on that one, just to give credit where credit is due. Um, the, the analysis was done by Justin, not oh, by Oh, shit. Not by I'm Chris, so but. sorry. <laughs> Justin, I love you. Chris, whatever. You don't come on my podcast anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think we're, we're probably done talking about Hanover. Um, just for a brief second, um, I'd like to point out how awesome it was to see Matt Simmels and Jerome Boateng back on the pitch together. Um, both of them had some lovely, lovely vertical passes forward. And uh, when they're both in form, of course, Matt Simmels always is. Um, they're going to be a beast in the back going forward. But let's, uh, let's talk about Paris Saint-Germain. It was a match that gave a huge middle finger to Ancelotti as trainer of Bayern. <laughs> Uh, though they didn't meet the quite lofty goal of getting through the group in first, they did accomplish a couple of things. PSG, with all the talent in the world offensively, uh, showed how they can be beat. And Bayern, despite that ass-kicking that saw Carlo lose his job, just might be a true contender for the title. Um, a couple of a couple of interesting quotes, actually probably the most interesting quote coming out of that match was from Emery, uh, the coach of PSG, who said, we didn't deserve to lose the match. <laughs> Everybody's got an opinion, right? <laughs> Opinions are like assholes. <laughs> what? I said it. <laughs> and, and, and Miller kind of went on a diatribe against, against the press post-match, basically saying, you guys have no faith in us but we are still Bayern. Um, and and, and as, as woefully ignorant as Emery's comment was, um, there is a bit of truth to what Müller said as well. Uh, let's get on to the goals, though. In the eighth minute, uh, Lewandowski scored from a Coman assist. In, in the 37th minute, um, 
Coco Toliso uh, opened his, his account from a James Rodriguez assist. Uh, beginning the second half, just five minutes in, Kylian Mbappe uh, scored a lovely goal with a great assist from Cavani. Uh, but Bayern got back on the table to make it 3-1 with Toliso's brace of the day at 69 minutes with an assist from Kingsley Coleman. Uh, let's get into the... Is Sebastian Rudy the right man for a four-one-four-one, Maurice? He looked lost out there yesterday. I mean, really lost. Um, there were there were several times, or there were like two times at least, maybe even three, when he was very close to losing the ball in a very delicate spot, or he did actually lose the ball and or made a very poor pass, and that often, um, yeah, <clears throat> often left uh, Hummels and Sula hanging there in, in mid-air against Neymar, Cavani, and Mbappe, which of course is, is not a task you, you want to face um, several times a match as a defender. And yeah, we, we have seen way better performances from Rudy in the past. Um, but yeah, last last night he was really outclassed there in that game against uh, PSG. And I I hope that when when Thiago went out, I. I relied on on Rudy or I think Bayern needs to rely on Rudy to to bring that that uh, spirit from Thiago back because Rudy is as we have also discussed I think several times is the closest we have to Thiago just the way he he can create um, out of central midfield and so to see him the way he played yesterday was uh, at least a, at least a small setback. You know, it's it's funny because you look at the stats and his pass completion percentage was like over ninety. It was like ninety two, I want to say. But yeah, but those eight, eight but those eight percent were really really deadly. They, yeah, yeah, it, and that was that was going to be my second point is that. Um, it, the ones that he made were glaring. So it was only three or four, maybe, tops. Maybe three. But, I mean, yeah. they were passed directly to the opposition. Um, yeah, and while everybody else was moving up the pitch, and, yeah, yeah that's always a bad sign. Yeah, I mean, Byron weren't, Byron weren't meant to pay for those mistakes, but they're mistakes that shouldn't have been made. Um, it, it, and on top of that, the, the Killian goal... Um, he's the one who should have picked up Kylian Mbappe. Not to say that he. Uh, been, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. know. I, I, it it looked it looked a lot like Mats Hummels was I don't know looking at the at the star uh, at the stars um, uh, over the Allianz Arena at that at that time. <laughs> and you know I didn't notice him ball watching. I thought he was picking up. Um, uh, I thought he was picking up uh, the his near post. Maybe I'm wrong. But it seemed to me that he could have done a better job. That might have been like a Javi Martinez kind of thing where he slides back in between the between the center backs. Um, that might be. Yeah. Hmm. We'll call it we'll call it a give. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fletch, uh, Fletcher, what's your initial your just initial broad feeling about the match? Uh, Danny Alves sucks. <laughs> like that's just first and foremost like 
when I saw the first goal, uh, I saw the entire PSG defense like it's offside. That's terrible. My immediate thought was like Danny Alves probably played him on side because as much as he's ranked as like this guy's a great, great wing back. He's not a defender, but he's also not a midfielder. I really, know, I don't really don't know where to put him on a field because his defense is very suspect most of the time, especially as he's gotten older. It's very suspect. So I know uh, Emery was like, we didn't deserve to lose. You put Danny Alves on a field for 90 minutes, you kind of deserve to lose. Like, that's my opinion. <laughs> I don't really think he, even at his best, I never thought he was that great. I thought that he was good at creating chances. I thought he helped. But yeah, I never thought he was a great player. So when you put him against his wings who actually will run at him, he, he usually has off games. Like... Typically, wings will not run at him, but this game, uh, they sent, come on, they sent uh, other players at him. He had to actually cover forwards like Lewandowski, who actually are going to be moving. Uh, and lo and behold, he looks his age. So, I, I don't, that's my one takeaway. Um, he's not the only reason why they got scored on a lot, but having a player who is a huge defensive liability makes your entire defensive line actually that much harder. And while Thiago Silva is an amazing defender, uh, he cannot compensate for two people. Like, that's not going to work at all. Um, so it happened the way I expected it to happen. I expected, especially after the first game, um, I know Thomas Muller in particular, I know a lot of the players on Munich are very prideful people, supremely prideful people, um, and they're like, we're not going to let this happen again. Like, not. Um, and I expected them to impose their will on the game against PSG. I expected them to to play their ball and force PSG to play their way. And for the most of the game, most of the game they did that. And if it had not been for Mbappe's goal, it would have been in a perfectly, perfectly scripted game of we came in here, we played our way, we forced you to play the way we're going to play, which you do not want to play. And, you know, we made you pay for it. So... This is this is an interest. Okay, that's a really really interesting point because um, Bayern didn't play a generally Bayern Munich style uh, for the first time in. Gosh, I can't even remember how long. It's been a couple of seasons. Um, Bayern Munich willingly gave up possession to PSG. Um, I, the last time I remember that happening, like as a tactic, was under Guardiola, and it ended up being a three-nil victory for Bayern. Is that right, Maurice? Yeah, um, I think the most prominent example, or if you look back at, at Bayern history, um, would be, of course, Jupankis playing with Bayern against Barcelona in the semifinal of the Champions League 2013. I think that looked a lot like that game uh, back then. Um, concentrating on, on defense and allowing little chances, which Paris um, did have a lot of chances, actually, because it did not work out as good as it did back then against Barcelona. But um, always, you know, like, rather letting letting the opponent handle the ball and then using, well, counterattacks to, to, to hit them. And, well, it, it worked back then and it worked yesterday. So... Um, 
Heinz and Speck, I think. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, when you look at the half, when you looked at the halftime stats, I think the most glaring stat would have been that Bayern controlled the ball forty-seven percent of the time with PSG at fifty-three, and this is something that you don't see anymore. Um, a lot of people. <clears throat> A lot of people gave Hankus stick about his starting 11 in this match as well as soon as it was posted. Um, and, and, okay, maybe the only guy on the pitch that had a, meh, a meh match was Sebastian Rudy, right? But yeah. all other 10 guys were either good to freaking excellent, I, I would I would say, you know, nobody else had a bad match on that pitch. So um, can we all just shut up and, and trust <laughs> what Yupankis is doing? <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and give, given the personnel that he, that he has, I think he, he he had the best best game plan prepared for Paris because um, you got to remember that we're still down like five of our players that would normally be in the be in the starting uh, starting eleven uh, due to either lack of form or because they're injured right now. So you always got to keep that in mind. I mean, if if we 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 bring the whole like you, you know like the whole band, then maybe we go into that match with another match plan. But being down like Neuer and Boateng and Thiago and Robin and Müller, well, yeah, that that is a good way to 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 go into that match. Fletch does. Does, does this kind of... Okay, talking about that opening goal, which you spoke on, where Lewandowski just found himself in acres of space um, in between the center backs, right? Like, I couldn't quite believe he was, like, everybody just stood around and said, hey, you I mean, got him? Honestly, I don't have honestly him. If, to you. If it, wasn't, if it was not for... For him being played, for him being played onside by Alves all the way on the other side of this field, it was really well played by by this by this PSG center back. So you're like, all right, the ball got deflected. We had to turn around to see you standing here with the ball. Oh, you're offside. It's cool, not a big deal. Until they looked over and saw Danny Alves like standing behind Lewandowski. They're like, oh, you. Do, do you think? Do you think that? I mean, that hands up from everybody on PSG's side. Do you think that that kind of uh, froze uh, uh, PSG's goalkeeper, Ariola in like a deer in the headlights? Oh, totally, because even he put his hand up. Yeah. Like, when the ball came in, he's like, offside, offside, offside. <laughs> off yeah, uh, this, like, this is off. like... And everyone was like, it's offside, it's offside. And they looked over and saw Alves, like, taking a step forward, like, yeah, offside. It's like, no. We know where you were, man. Like, why? Why are you like this? You know. And I, like, I mean, there I, is. I, I imagine this, as a goalie, any sort of thing, any sort of small thing that happens like that, where it's like this guy's offside, and that's like, not to get all like super American for a minute. Um, like, that's one thing that like I was taught when I played football, um, American football. It's like, hey, you play to the whistle is blown. And I see a lot of times where it's like, hey, this person's offside. I'm not. I'm going to let them do what they're doing because they're offside. You see the goal count because people just assume the whistle is going to be blown. They assume this. It's like you got kind of got to. You got maybe maybe you thought the defend the forward is offside. Maybe you should have just put your foot there anyway, just to make sure like the ball deflects somewhere. Then look right. at the ref and you missed the call. Yeah, so, I mean, like, I played I played American football as well, and I can totally tell you that 
you just keep playing until you see flags or hear whistles. That's it. And but I mean, I think that used to count in 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 football in in you know footy as a whole as well. It's only really a development over the last several years that players are trying to referee the game themselves. Yeah, and I, the I, bigger I, I hate it. I hate no, it. No, it's um, gross, it, right? It, it is something that also Bayern adopted. Oh, like, yeah. in the past four or five years, you always see, like, like Neuer, of course, has his arm up every single goal that he concedes. <laughs> I mean, uh, but but also, like, like Hummels and Boateng in, in the back, they were also... Uh, always be like raising their hand and saying, "Oh, well, that that might be might be offside," and even players in midfield after they like they like uh, lost um, lost a tackle or something, they they will like instead of going going after the, their opponent, they they stand back, they complain. And yeah, they look I, for a foul I, call. They yeah, look for yeah. A foul, and I, I hate it. It's there's been so many counterattacking goals I've seen scored in in the sport because a guy's dribbling and he gets fouled. And it's a prominent foul, but it's not called. He stops and he's like, "All right, I'm gonna get the call." And then they go the other way and they get scored on. It's like that ball. That while their defense could have played a bit better, that's entirely your fault. You basically passed him the ball and said, "Go get it." Like, please go start it. And like, I, I understand why. It's because who wants to exert extra energy when you're very visibly being fouled? Maybe they don't see it as a foul though. Maybe from the angle, just play until the ref like, "All right, whistle." Yeah, and, and I think also it's like to to like help the referee make the right call. It's because if you don't react that way, maybe the ref will think, well, it wasn't a foul if he doesn't like turn around and look, look looks at me and, and complains. So, but, yeah. But, but that's also somewhat a recent development, I think, where the refs, yeah. <laughs> where the refs are looking at the players. And now they're looking at VAR as well. Not in Champions well, League, but I mean in, you know, in, in, Bundesliga. in Bundesliga competition. Um and yeah, it's definitely a problem. Um, uh, Turkish ref, um, Kasir, Kakir, Kakir, no, Sakir, oh, you know who I mean. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's Tunet Kakir, (laughs) I think. Yes. He's always been a little bit soft with the handing out of cards anyway. And and this game definitely gave him uh, motivation to put some more on the board. I think, I mean, Hamas picked up one for complaining because uh, Byron got a card where Verratti didn't get a card, you know, earlier on a, on a tackle. Was that on Coman or Lewandowski earlier? Like right at yeah. the beginning of the match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. and it just started this this um, this back and forth of crap and uh, uh, you know and underlying that Bayern is trying to win like a glory game and PSG is pissed off because they find themselves down to a team that got their ass beat a, a team that beat their ass you know the last time out and and you know it it, it kind of turned into this sort of muck where um it changed towards the end of the second half, where the where uh, the ref was just kind of letting letting the teams play. But up until that point, it was just a slog and whistle and whistle and whistle. And I mean, what most players and don't hand, really realize and handbags really everywhere. What most players don't really realize is if someone grabs you and you're dribbling, if you keep dribbling, you're going to fall naturally. 
Like, that's just how physics work. Right. That's how, like, the body works. If I'm trying to run away from you and you grab me and hold on to me, eventually I'm going to fall down. But if you just stop running, it looks like nothing. It looks like nothing just happened. If you let the ball just roll, okay. But if I'm trying to run away from you, I'm running after a ball and I grab your arm and you keep running and you, like stumble as a result yeah no that's how that's that's a foul a foul will be called but if you give up on it or if it's like oh the ball's by me you know hand up offside whatever and you don't stop him and it's counted as a goal maybe the guy was offside but by you not stopping him after that the goal's on you the goal is your fault and like it's it's a weird thing to see like because I mean, obviously, if we were all doing this, we'd all be playing professionally. We would not be in this. We would not be, you know, everyday people. We we'd be <laughs> in the middle of San Siro or you know any stadium, just like yeah, I'm making it. But like, it's frustrating to see. But at the same time, you have to understand like they have some method to their madness. I don't really get it, obviously. But like. Well, I mean, you can make the case for especially offensive players going forward, right? And guys that are like super fast or super talented on the wings and do a lot of take-ons, they get hacked at all the time by everyone. So, I mean, I I understand it. I I don't know if I would be that player, but after you get kicked in the ankles like 20 times and nobody calls a foul, I might go down easy. I mean, I have, I have no problem with going down easy. That's not my problem. Like, you know I, what I mean? Yeah, but like, I'm not talking about the people who dive. Like, diving is its own self. I don't like it, but I understand why you dive. But people who just like give up. Like, I remember I was watching, I was watching one match a few years back, uh, and Eden Hazard. He was playing for Belgium. He was playing against. Luxembourg. He was dribbling and he got like hacked heavily and he kept dribbling, just dribbled through it, dribbled through it, dribbled through it. And while like he was able to do that, not everyone is, I was like, you know what? I appreciate the fact this guy like tried to take, kick him in the thigh and like caught him, but didn't catch him the full way. And he went through it. And then you see later, you see uh, Lukaku, someone just touch his back and grab him and he just turns around to like say, all right, foul. And they end up missing a scoring chance. It's like stuff like that. Like, I don't, diving is whatever. I know in my short career of playing, uh, I played collegiately for a year and a half. Uh, I, I never dove. I had one situation where I actually, someone actually grabbed my hair and I just tried to dribble through it. It hurt a lot. I lost a dread or two. But, like, if you go through something, if you actually work through it, you'll be usually be rewarded for that. But if you stop, or even if you die, you'll probably be rewarded for that. That's it. So that's another conversation for a different day. I but don't like, know. I just, I mean, when I played, I just straight up retaliated. <laughs> yeah. I tried that. I tried that once. You're going to, gonna, like, you're oh. going to hack at me. I'm going to hack you. <laughs> I tried the hockey rule where it's like, guess what? We got to, we got to break out a little scuffle to pump up the team. And I tried to do that. And the ref looked at me. He just said, don't do that anymore. <laughs> and that was it. No more fight. He just looked at me and said, Hey, I know what you're doing. Stop it. Guys, I okay. broke a I broke a girl's leg when I was uh, thirteen. Oh man! Oh man! No, that's uh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. A, a You're the Mark van Bommel from from your from your, from your <laughs> I Sunday am totally, totally. That, uh, man, that this must be like nice and lighthearted. You made it really serious. <laughs> yeah. Really serious. Oh, wherever you are, I don't know your name. 
I hope you can oh, walk God. without a limp. Oh, God, Susie, come on. No, I did. I totally meant it, too. I felt uh, <laughs> and, uh, it's something I do feel really bad about. It's the only time I was ever red carded in, in, in my very short playing career. Because I tore my I tore my ACL at 15, and then I came back for like six months, and then I tore it again. So that was it for me. But uh, <laughs> I've, uh, my, but that's probably a good thing because my, you know that because I years, did something like that. My 11 and a half years have never, never been booked. Never. <laughs> I've had plays where like I've intentionally tried to foul. Like I'm not proud of this. Not at all. Um, there was a guy, a center back, six foot four, six foot five guy, really, really tall. And every time a ball came in the air towards me, he just took it from me. And I'm like five ten, so I had no chance at the ball. I tried to dribble around him one time, and him being six five, he just took one of his, you know, go go gadget legs and put it right in front of me and took the ball from me. And I was just livid. So he dribbled by me one time. I just kicked at his legs and tripped him. And I was like, whatever, I'll take a yellow. I don't care. His mother was there, and she freaked out. She like almost ran onto the field. The ref was like, hey, cut that out. And I'm like, if you're not going to book me for that, I'm never getting booked ever in my ever in my life. <laughs> that was very clearly a yellow. I was waiting for the ref to get into the yellow so I could say good call, you know, whatever. And he's like, hey, stop it. I was like, okay, I'm never getting booked ever. I could probably, like, walk on the field with a samurai sword and cut someone. They'll be like, hey, that's your last warning. So, like, you know, I – it's it's very – you know, I, I've tried. So people who tell me – tell they tell stories about I've been booked for this and this, and it's like, cool, but, like, what do I have to do? I watched a teammate of mine chest bump someone and get a red card, and I was like, I don't understand any of this at all. Um <laughs> No. Let's uh let's uh end the segue and <laughs> get back to yes. PSG. Hi guys. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh let's talk about uh, let's talk about what uh Kings of Coman and Frank Ribery had to do defensively and how successful they were at their jobs. Uh what do you think, Maurice? Yeah, so um, what we saw from both Coleman and Ribery was that they both kept that, that Heinke's defensive-minded approach uh, that we talked about earlier. Um, because basically he told them prior to the game, well, you know you're facing Neymar, you're facing Bappe, two of the world's best wingers. And then also you have um, Kurzawa and Alves uh, running up the pitch. So we need everybody back there working on defense. And so I think especially Coleman did a, did a really good job helping out and at part of the game it looked like he was back there as, a, as another defender um, in some kind of back five almost and Ribery he was a little bit resilient in the first half but I think he turned around in the second half and to see both of them work back like for well, large chunks of the game. I think that is also a good, good thing mentality-wise uh, that they both listen to what Heinke said and that they also will <clears throat> sacrifice some of the power that they can put in on offense for for defensive purposes. That is really important. Yeah, that's the mark of a of a world-class winger, in my opinion, is one who, if need be, to tr- if told to track back and help defensively, they do it, and they do it decent. They do it decently enough to where the defense has some support to like start to start attacks from the back. So, like, if you can if you can have a winger go back, like you said with Coman, go back and almost be like a fifth defender and like help support the defense against some truly talented attacking power. Yeah, that that's what that's where I separate really really good winger to like world class right there. 
Um, Because there are a lot of wingers who either one won't go back, or two, if they get back, they end up making they end up making the defense a lot worse. So it's really really great of them to like be able to to listen, to come back, and to be able to help, and then to be able to stop an offense like PSG's. I mean, it's it's and and Bayern fans will know pretty much everybody will know when when Ribery and and Robin were brought to Bayern Munich, um, they had no defensive role whatsoever. Everything was purely everything for them was purely selfish by design and going forward also by design. Um, it, it's nice to see at the end of their careers, their, their willingness to track back. I don't think Ribery was really doing so to open the match. Um, and it gave Mbappe a, a couple of chances early. Um, but then uh, his his football IQ switched on, and and he was able to get himself defensively into the match as well. Would you agree, Maurice? Yeah, yeah, yeah um, totally. So so moving on from that, um, how awesome is Sven Ulreich doing? Oh my God. I, th- I think he's, he, he will be Germany's number one goalkeeper for the World Cup. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was going to say that. You, you know, it's funny. When you when you look at the stats, so, so Bayern, uh, unlike the Hanover match, Bayern was very, very um, – they were great on goal. They had four shots on goal, scored three, right, which is something completely yeah. different than we saw the last time out, where PSG had eight shots on goal. And Sven uh, Ulreich had seven saves. Um, And bonus, he's getting better in distribution as well. So, you know, it's kind of a... He's never going to be Manuel Neuer, but he's certainly approaching Manuel Neuer lights, or esque even. And uh, call me crazy, but if he has a good Rookrunde until Neuer gets fit, is he maybe, could he climb to like, n- realistically, a number three spot for World Cup with, with the same kind of performances that he's having? Reali- realis- realistically, no. I don't yeah, think I, so. know. Because, I know. Because, because Loeff has his, has his four goalkeepers uh, with him, and if Neuer makes it, he goes, and Leno probably gets left out, and if Neuer... No, it doesn't make it. Then um, I think Leno goes. Uh, Leno, Trapp, and Testing go. So, um, but but nevertheless, I think really Ulreich has really grown into this into this role. And he also said um, after yesterday's match, he said that like the the trust that um, Henkes has given him from day one, starting day one in practice, that is really really helping him. And I think especially goal, the goalkeeper needs to know that. No, no matter what he does, like even if there, he has a slight mistake in his game once in a while, the the coach still trusts him, and this coach still has his back. And I think um, knowing that Ulrich has really made a huge step forward. Yeah, for sure. It's it's a pleasure to see. It's a pleasure to watch him. Um, let's uh, one more one more thought about uh, or one more topic of discussion about the PSG match. Uh, the man of the match, obviously, was Quarantine Toliso. Um, what do you think, uh, Fletcher, that he does differently than Vidal? Uh, for me, he's more 
sneaky. He's like a spy, right? Uh, he He's a quieter president, presence, and I don't think defenders pick him up as easily as they pick up um, somebody like Arturo Vidal, right? So, well, so, yeah, that's because you can hear Vidal like crushing at people's bones <laughs> right down the field. So, like, that's a very loud thing to hear. I think, like, a regular person would be quieter than Vidal. But I, personally, I like the way that well, I do rate Vidal as a better player than Tolisso. Even with all the stuff I said, I still think of him as a better player. Um, but I liked the way that you said Tolisso is quiet. Um, when he attacks the box, he's normally attacking the box with either one defender, like a step behind him, or no one there at all. Um, he reads the game well. Um, I like. I wouldn't classify him as a box-to-box player, so to speak. Um I see. I think my personally, I think he's a bit more attacking than say all over. But when he gets to his spots, he's really definitive. He really, when he gets a chance to take a shot, he usually makes it count. If he makes a pass, he usually gets it there to where it's. I don't want to say unspectacular because everything that these players do is spectacular. Even the mistakes are spectacular because they're all spectacularly athletic human beings. (laughs) But. But the way that, like, he does things so, uh, what's the word? In a way, like, almost, like, nonchalant. It's almost like it looks oh, like how, he's not. Oh, how French of you. He's not, there you go. Um, <laughs> it's almost like he's not really trying, exerting much, much effort, but, like, he's exerting just enough to do stuff, but you know he's really trying hard. It's a way, it's like a, a calmness in a way that, it helps because you try trying to get around with someone who's erratic with Vidal again. Um, if it's late in the game and you need someone to take a shot from outside and you see him running up with this disruptive way, uh, the way that he's going to probably create more attention towards him, it kind of lets people know, okay, this person's here, this person's here, let's mark off here. Um, I think Talisa also gets some help because Bayern has a bunch of weapons up top. So he has a chance. He has chances to run on freely because if it's a choice between marking Robin or marking Talisa or marking Muller and marking Talisa or marking Lewandowski or James or Talisa, you might lead towards these people. But he's becoming he's getting better and better to the point where it's like, hey, I kind of now I'm stuck. Do I do I leave for this guy or for this guy? So I really appreciate the I pre- appreciate the way that he takes his chances, albeit few. He makes them count. So that's like he if he can continue to do that more and more, I feel like he'll get a lot more. Even when Tiago comes back, he'll get a lot more time on the field. Even though even if it's not in the starting role, it'll be more minutes, more higher capacity. So Maurice Marisa. Tolisso has grown a lot under Hankus as well, I think, and and has truly started to come on, not Coleman, come on, and and be a part of this squad. Uh, would you agree? Um, yeah, sure. Um, I think um, he he still has lots of room to to grow um, concerning his like his like passing abilities and his you know like like just um, the way the way he he views the game and the way he sees the game. But um, there are a couple of things that he really does good, and obviously one of the things is his ability to to penetrate the box and you know like overload the box something that for example Schweinsteiger did very well in the past something that Vidal does very well as well uh, and 
Yeah, and another thing that he does really good is like supporting that that right flank. Um, that has been something that, especially with Müller playing on the right flank, we've seen a lot in the past that uh, Müller actually tends to go cut a little bit inside, and then Tolisso being like really like a, like the the winger, and yeah, so so he certainly has his strength as well. Um, and yeah, I'm hoping to to have him contribute even more in the future and get more minutes like like Fletch already said. All right. Um any any last thoughts, anybody? Uh, my my takeaway from this, um, and I said it uh, as we began to discuss this match, um, I think this pretty much not solidified, but it showed it showed that uh, PSG can be dismantled. Of course, they had lost previously in 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 uh, Ligue 1 as well, um, so they're on a two loss uh, or two match lose streak. But it also kind of it kind of showed that that yeah, um, Bayern Munich as crappily as they played under Ancelotti and how lost they looked um, in the first half of the season. Uh, it's a good sign that, that they're back. They, they may not be favorites, but um, they're definitely up there to, to take home maybe their sixth trophy. It's a long way to go. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it could all fall apart. I, really, the only the only match the only match now that's important going forward is, of course, the cup match uh, against Dortmund, uh, which will be the last match that Bayern has uh, for the Hinrunde for the first half of the season. Um, everything else is uh, a couple of Bundesliga matches in between. Meh, meh. You know, <laughs> it goes as it goes. <laughs> Uh, you guys want to go over the so we've had a few technical difficulties today um, but uh, you want to sneak in some thoughts on the ESPN FC 100 sure yeah no yeah let's do it <laughs> so pretty much like my over my overriding thoughts on this is is one Manuel Neuer was ranked the number one goalkeeper in the world which if he's playing I think is apt right I mean some people say to him you know people say whatever they want to say and of course we're biased here at Mia Sunrope podcast because this is a Bayern Munich podcast but truth be told if he's fit and playing he's the number one goalkeeper in the world that's fair fair Right. But so the way that they chose these seemed to be it was a, an amalgamation of things. So it was either past reputation, present playing or whatever. Like there seemed to be no rhyme or reason to it. So so for me, for Manuel Neuer to be picked number one um, when he's been hurt this whole half of the season and missed, you know, so much of, of Germany qualifying. I don't think he deserves it. That's just me. I mean, he can always grab it back when he comes back on, uh, you know, when he takes his position back t- between the sticks. That's just me. Second. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it's like um, 
every one of those uh, of those lists. Um, I mean, ESPN does those for for the NBA and the NFL as well. And you always look at those, and you're like, okay, do, what do they actually reward now? Like, do they just look at the past season? Do they look at the past year, or do they also factor in like, like if I if I play in the Champions League final to Tonight, who do I want to have in my starting team? And right, yeah. So that that is something that you that you always have like this controversy around those around those names, and I I tend to agree. Like if Manuel Neuer is fit, then he of course is the best goalkeeper in the world, but he has played like 20 matches all of all of this year, so it's tough to see him um, ranked as the number one goalie for 2017. Yeah, so, absolutely. And and so the, the, my next point, I had three co- points of well, four. I actually have probably have more, but my next point of contention was uh, Kimmich not appearing as right back. Yeah, that's that's just that's just plain ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, that's some dumb. I, I, that's some dumb shit right there. I period. Come on, come on. He he is. Yeah. Right. He's at least he's at least in the. He's at least in the top five, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And then we're gonna we're gonna go through them all a little bit. Third is how does Ancelotti land in the top ten managers when he gets fired from Bayern Munich? Because he co- he managed Bayern Munich. That's essentially <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> like if you put if you put a a monkey in a bowler hat and had him managed Bayern Munich. He cracked top 15 because that's just a really powerhouse team. Even if you take the team out of the ground, you still get accolades for managing a powerhouse team. And probably my fourth is there's too many attacking lists of tens, right? So there's attacking mid, wide forward, forward, and striker. Yeah, I I didn't get those either. They didn't want to leave anybody off. Like, that's really just them saying... I want to rate uh, a player here, but I know if I rate him here, if I rate, if if you rate Mohamed Salah as your eighth overall forward in the entire world, you're leaving off a lot of really really great forwards. So they're like, we'll just make him a <laughs> wide forward, and we'll make this guy another four, and then we'll have a striker. Which, is this is this more like how do we not piss everybody in the world off? Right. That's well, that's really what, just like. Well, then what the hell is the point? <laughs> because you're going to click it and they get paid per click. So, like, that, that's the point. I mean, this is the, the having, like, 40 guys as forward positions. It's kind of like a participation trophy after that, which is the American thing to do. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong there. Not even going to debate you. Um, Maurice, just looking through, what were your impressions? And and we're going to try and stick to to Bayern. Bayern players, players. yeah. Yeah. So um, just sticking through, I already said. Kimmich not being on there is like a huge disgrace for that for that uh, for that list. Um, I also think uh, Mats Hummels is ranked too low at number five. Um, of course, as well. Uh, again, I'm really biased, but um, and I'm a huge Mats Hummels fan. But I think he's at least top three. Yeah, I guess. And now to to get a little bit back on my Bayern bias, um, I think David Alaba is ranked too high at number two. Um, 
I mean, he has been really good at the past. Uh, in the past, he has been top three in the past, but he has not been top uh, top two in in the last season. I mean, um, not not 2017 for sure. No, definitely not. And 2016, I, I just see he was ranked uh, number one in 2016. Um, I don't know. Um, he. Of course, there aren't that many good left backs in the game. Um, I even see they put in they put in Rafael Guerrero from Dortmund, who plays central midfield for Dortmund most of the time. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair with Dortmund, though, their left back situation always changes. Sometimes it's Castro, sometimes it's Guerrero, sometimes it's someone else. So yeah, like, of course. Yeah, then yeah. Then it's someone and say, "Hey, you, here." Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Fletch? Kind of biased. I don't see Hamas anywhere, and it makes me sad. Um, while, sure, while he did have a bit of a down part while he was at Real, Real um, Hamas Rodriguez is still one of the best midfielders in the world. Like, barred none. Um, to tell me that he can't crack your top 20, whether it be center mids or attacking mids, is kind of stupid in my opinion what you're telling me is he's not one of the best 20 midfielders in the world yeah and but it's, this, is, this is like the thing like what what are they like trying to 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 reach because like looking at his 2017 campaign maybe he is not in that range but of course like being the player like that he is that we know that he can be of course he's a top 20 player you get I mean you know what I'm trying to say yeah, I mean, no, I understand that, but just there's so not to like break out of the Bayern as, as far as I can. There are some players on the on these lists that did not also did not have a good 2017 or a good 2016 for that matter, but they are still on this list. So yeah, <clears throat> so it's right. kind of like well, I kind of know your criteria for choosing some of these players, but at the same time. Why? Why did you construct it this way? Uh, but you know, I don't. I don't know. Um, I will say uh, on, the, on the left back situation, it is hard to rate Alaba as a left back in that position now because the last time I remember seeing him, he was playing some center back, and even for his national team, he plays more of a defensive mid role. So. And what I've seen of him as of late, he's been a resurgence at left back, but he's not been the left back that we know super, super well. Um, but I think he's better than Marcelo. So I really feel like <laughs> I he's doing hate, I'm sorry. I just don't like Marcelo. I mean, I don't either. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like him either, but, but he, did, he, did, he did have a really good good uh, season last, last yeah. year for Madrid. I, you know, and... Like, and, really, really good. And and parts of these, you know, and parts of these votes is, is, you know, it's pundits that are also fans of... Everybody's a fan of something. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, sure. we're totally biased. And I mean, everybody has a, football, a footballing bias. It doesn't matter. I don't care who you write for. You may try and explain it away better than other people, but you still have a bias, right? Because sure. everybody loves a team, right? But yeah, yeah. It, oh man, Marcelo. <laughs> it's just I, I, I try to understand. Like, uh, I'm trying to put this in a way that doesn't make me sound like that guy. But 
I I don't understand ranking left backs and right backs who are really more midfielders than, than defenders, really high on lists about defenders. Like, for example, again, not to harp on him, but Danny Alves. I don't know why he's in your top three right backs. I don't. Because um, he's not at all. Like, he, he at best is like maybe top 20, top 30, because there aren't that many great right backs in the world. Same with the left backs. There are not, there's like maybe five or six where you're like, I want that guy. After that, it's like, well, we could do, make do with what we have. But like, they reward some of these players who attack, 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 and don't defend, but they're defenders. So I really don't, I don't get that. That That's something that I just, even when voting for like, the EPSL, we have to make all league teams. It's like, well, who are your top four defenders? I'm like, well, I like these four guys because they actually do their job well. They might have only scored three goals collectively, but they make a bunch of tackles. They make a bunch of plays for their team. They create chances. They do stuff well, but they do all the stuff while also still defending well. I feel like if your wing back has like seven assists and, you know, three goals, but he's been beaten 30 times in the season – Maybe he shouldn't be a top defender. <laughs> right. Like that's, not that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> I think you, probably at the that part, like categorization, I would say that irks me the most in this list is wide forward and forward. <laughs> yeah. Le- <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't, that's I don't the get same goddamn. That's the same goddamn thing. Yeah, and, and, and then you because Cristiano because Ronaldo they're as they're well. not I don't know they're not nines, right? That's it. They're not nines. They're they're wing they're wing players. Even even yeah, the, they're midfielders. They're they're yeah. almost every this list is a midfielder. Um, but I mean, like attacking mid, you're going to generalize as generally as a number ten, right? Yeah, yeah. A ten or an eight. Yeah, sure. Right, and then your striker is nine, and then those twenty guys have been split up. Like, uh, Frank Ribery for some reason is in there as a wide forward, and then and Robin is a forward, and which Robin is like is a they play like the exact same position, just on the opposite flank. Right, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. So I think they're kowtowing to a lot. Yeah, people like like Fletcher already said, it's like just to get like everybody in there, <laughs> right? Everybody well, needs yeah. to get a mention, and you also got to get it get like two hundred guys. So if you <laughs> would just make like eight positions plus a coach, you would only get to ninety. So right. <laughs> I mean, plus you'd you'd feel some sort of way if someone's like Chelsea's Willian is the number nine four, and you're like, hey, uh, what about Robin? What about? this guy what about Dembele what about and it's like all right well we'll push you as a wide forward we all know William's a midfielder we all know Robin and uh Ribery are are they function as midfielders but they play as we all know what positions they play right. so to see them on un, improperly categorized it it makes my skin crawl like it kind <laughs> of like I don't know I don't know how to it irks me. It irks me a lot because these are the same people that will then take this list and put it inside of FIFA or put it inside of PES or whatever and, like, make – you'll play against a team of people who's like, guess what? Guess who my center mid is? Guess who my – it's like these are not people's actual positions. Like, you should not be playing, uh, 
You should not be playing Dries Mertens as your center back. You should not be playing uh, Matt Hummels as your attacking mid. Like these are not their positions. So like it really infuriates me to see stuff like this because people start to then believe these misconceptions about about players, and then they put them somewhere to where more people who are not as informed then believe it even more, and then you just it's a cycle that I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it, and this list makes me upset. <laughs> I think it makes a right lot of people well. upset, but I also think that's part of the point as well. There, you yeah, know, you, you create traffic it's, that way. It's fun and silly, and there's plenty of points to discuss. And when you look at anybody who actually voted on it, if you look at their timelines, it's just full of arguments back and forth, which, you know, that's what it's there for. I think probably the one thing we can all agree on is... Robert Lewandowski being placed in first at striker role. Yeah, that's a good pick. And I have one pick that, that I just want to point out really quick. It, it's not about Robert Lewandowski, but Thiago Alcantara being ranked number nine in central midfield is like the, the biggest joke of all time. I mean, he's, he's like behind Arturo Vidal. He's behind Casemiro. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, Casemiro no, not to That's disrespect anyone so on the list. Um, Casemiro is not a top 10 midfielder for me. He's not. He's a really solid player. He does stuff really, really well. But I don't know. I don't, I don't think he's better than Thiago. I don't think he's better than Rakitic. Um, I know he's certainly not better than everyone on the list who's ahead of him. So I don't, I don't yeah. know. Um, yeah. It's very weird. It's a very weird thing to see. Uh, I feel like on this, they probably could have taken away the wide midfield, the wide forward, and made a defensive midfielder. Because there are a lot of these players who play more, who are not really center mid players. Like they're center mid because they're the center mid of the field, but they play more in defensive roles. And like that would probably that would be a bet. Yeah, that would definitely be a better categorization. I think. Yeah. Okay, should we uh, leave it off at there? Yeah, sure, that works. <laughs> I'm for whatever. I can do whatever. <laughs> now, I think I think we've got enough in for this episode, episode 12 today. Um, I want to thank, first, Maurice. It's always a pleasure to have you back. Uh, Maurice writes for, of course, Mia San Rote, which is our favorite Bayern Munich website. Obviously, um, Maurice, <laughs> where can we find you online? Well, of course, at mirsanroad.com and the German site.de, and also on Twitter, my handle is at thunder24mh. Awesome, Maurice. It's always a pleasure to have you. And I want always you a pleasure to be on. Want you back with me all the time. Uh, and, <laughs> and thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Fletcher, for joining us today. This was awesome, amazing, and totally fun. And uh, Fletch, where can we find you online? Um, so I write for midfieldpress.com. So midfieldpress.com would be a good place to start. Um, I am also on Twitter at Saint FDW, S A I N T. FDW, although I don't recommend following me because 
a lot of people who tend to follow me for soccer end up unfollowing me because half my timeline is soccer, other half is like memes and dog pictures and like food. So like it's not <laughs> it's not something you really want to see. It's something that's really gonna like either make your day or ruin your day. And I don't want it, that to happen. But if there's a game on that I have to cover, that I have to work for. You got news there, but like once it ends, you got a dog picture with like a hot dog on its head. So like I don't I don't know like. I would avoid if I were not me. <laughs> well, listen, why don't people avoid me then? Because, I mean, I talk a lot about politics and cats, mostly cats. Susie, okay. you know why? It's because you're just so, you're so enthralling. Just people, they see you, they're like, I gotta be around this person. Even if I don't like what she's talking about, I gotta just be by it. I have to be within, it's within her stratosphere. So, like, that's different. You, you have this, this... Je ne sais quoi? <laughs> virtual allure that just attracts people in. So, like, you know, like that's different, of course. Oh like, my God, Fletcher! You got people is... who are like, I want to, I want to, you know, tweet at Susie, but also I want to see what she's doing because you know <laughs> she's Susie. So, like, you know, like I, I wish I had that. That's amazing. That's like it's good, also bad because some people are weird. But like, it's an amazing thing to have. Fletcher, you have virtual. Thank you. <laughs> personable self. You know, like, I'm trying to be you. I'm trying to be Susie when I grow up. Psst. Bitch, you don't want any part of this. <laughs> no, seriously, thank you for the lovely compliments. But yeah, if you want to catch me on politics, cats, and Bayern Munich, uh, you can find me at, on Twitter at the Susie Schaff, T H E S U S I E S C H. AAF. Again, Maurice Fletcher, thank you so much for being a part of this today. This has been episode 12 of the Mia Sun Wrote podcast, and we will be back with you soon. Servus. <laughs> Ich hab geträumt von dir, 